HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomentabody. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Hey, it's Tuesday, September 6, 2016. I got Justin Kennedy here with me. Hey, what's uh, up, Jimmy? James Ty and uh, Tony Ford will be joining us, and it's our first live show of the fall season. So um, on that note, thanks to our sponsors, Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers, and Maggie's out there tweeting live at beer underscore sessions. So, uh... Justin, how was your summer, man? It was great. We took a long time off here at Beer Sessions, and uh, I drank a lot of beer in that meantime. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we had a lot of pre-records to catch up on. We did our On the Road series. Here's Tony Ford, too, from uh, Ale Street News. Hey, they both walked in at the, right at the right time. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Meanwhile, you, Justin and I have been drinking Hill Farmstead, you know, one of their pale ales, and... Uh, some uh, against the grain. But, yeah, Justin, tell me more about your summer. So you, you get around a lot. I mean, you're doing still this beer. Yeah, I went out to Chicago for a weekend. I uh, went out to Columbus, Ohio recently. And just uh, about two weeks ago, I was in uh, Richmond, Virginia for an IPA festival at a new brewery called The Vale Brewing. And that was a lot of fun. There was some guys from Brooklyn there, uh, other half and threes, and a lot of other really great brewers from all up and down the East Coast. That's great, man. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about the show is, you know, for for a while I was a critic of just you know, the this, the trend of session IPAs that that even in your notes you said you know tastes like hoppy water. Sure, yeah. But I, I have noticed in the last year there's a lot more like really good pale ales that, that have a hoppiness to them. Like Barrier makes fantastical XPA, and recently like you know Industrial Arts Jeff O'Neill's new brewery their first beer out is Tools of the Trade, a hoppy pale ale. You know, so what do you think about you know, and, and, you know, summer, you know, session IPAs versus you know, like a hoppy paleo? Yeah, I think there's a difference uh, to be drawn for sure. The idea of session IP, IPA came around a few years ago, and it just really exploded. I think the re- the reason for that is that it has IPA in in the name, uh, and you know, pale ale for a long time was a little bit of a ho hum drink for beer drinkers. We had you know, of course, Sierra Nevada's pale ale is a great one, but 
I don't think anyone considers it, you know, a session IPA, but, you know, it's kind of an old school pale ale. Um, and then session IPA came and it just, you know, people thought it's got all the same hop character, but you can drink, you know, five of them and, uh, and, and not feel like shit. Uh, so it was, yeah, it became really popular and it's still really, really popular. I think there are 170, 160, uh, different entries last year at GABF. So it's, it's obviously a really, really popular category and I think it's going to continue to be, I don't think we're going to see it dying off at all. You know, and Tony and, and James, James Ty, welcome to the show too. You know, I mean, how, Hi, how everyone. Do you, how do you differentiate between a session IPA and, and, and a pale ale? I mean, well, um, I think session means um, different things in different cultures. So session really kind of came from uh, British Isles, where I also come from, as a matter of fact. And I did bring a sample. I was just back for the Great British Beer Festival. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the session IPAs were probably a reaction to a lot of really strong double IPAs and that kind of thing. And obviously the American palate really got into the hops and loves the hops. So the session IPA is a way to, you know, present the hops but um, take out some of the higher alcohols. And I think, um, you know, where I grew up, session was um, – it means you can you can drink a lot of it. There's – uh, the traditional British beer is, is cast condition, so it's less carbonated, and you can just drink a lot of volume, and it's it's just easier on the stomach. Um, is that because it's less filling, Tony, or what's the... Well, know, it's, like it's low, it is lower alcohol. That's kind of where, obviously, the session came from. But, I mean, less uh, carbonation, too, so... Yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, it's less gas going into your belly, right, so right. it goes down <laughs> easier. I mean, that's always been... Yeah, I know, been, how, I know the been, problem. Been, <laughs> my theory, they drink uh, Imperial Pints over there for, you know, 20 ounces versus, versus 16, and uh, they really... A session means quite a few beers. Whereas here, you know, a session can be, you know, three or four or five or, or whatever. Obviously, a little bit more with the uh, with the session IPAs. It's nice having you on the show again, Tony. All right. It's great to be here. Public transport, of course, made it a little, little nip and tuck, but uh, I made it. <laughs> it was exciting. We were starting the show. Justin sat down, and we popped a beer, and you guys walked in. Love that. Perfect timing. What, what's going on with you for fall, Tony? I know you've got... Uh, Something, some beer, beer trips or Yeah, we got, um, we've got the Ale Street um, trip to the Great American Beer Festival that we do every year. Uh, we still have some spots if anyone's interested. Um, we can still fit you in. Just go to our website. Uh, so that's coming up uh, this year. It's um, October 6th to 9th, so it's beginning of October. And then I have a, a quick turnaround after that because um, on the 10th, I'm flying to Rio for the Mondial de la Beer Festival down in Brazil, which I work with those folks at the Mondial. That's great. And we'll talk more about that. And James Ty, welcome back, man. Beer yeah. Acolyte at Beer Acolyte. What's up? Yes. Beer Consultant, everything. Yep. Uber Cicerone. That's a new no. category, you know, Uber well, Cicerone. Uber That's Cicerone. news to me. Wow, but I'll take it. I will gladly take <laughs> That's that. That's the master, I guess. You've been, you've been traveling to different tastings and beer festivals. Yeah, and just uh, somewhat germane to, I guess, our discussion today, our topic. I just got back from uh, the Yakima Valley in Washington. Uh, you know, I just visited a, a few hop farms, you know, and got to see what was going on there, you know, right during harvest. So that was really fun. Yeah, it seemed a lot of people have been heading out there this year. I was yeah. talking to some brewers that were Absolutely. out there. Yeah. Keeps yeah, growing. talking hops. But then that's why I was thinking today was like, you know, I felt beyond session IPA because, like I said, I, I noticed a couple years ago that 
there were more of these college session IPAs coming out, and maybe they're hoppy, citrusy water to me. But I feel like now the, there are these really great pale ales that, that are kind of representing the new like use of hops. And you know, there's a lot of, like with like, like I'm saying, Jeff O'Neill's Industrial Arts. Um, yeah, he calls it a, he calls it an XPA extra pale ale, and the beer we're drinking right now is also called an extra American pale ale. This is a beer from Against the Grain. That's what it's called. Capital A space a beer. beer. It's a beer. <laughs> and it's they call it a an American pale ale. It's four point two percent. It's really hoppy. It comes in a sixteen ounce can, uh, and it's really, really tasty. But it doesn't taste like hot water. It's got some real structure to it, I think. And what what's the difference? Is, is it the malt? I think traditionally, um, typically pale ale will have a stronger malt backbone. And uh I think also um it might be a little more balanced with, with the hops, in fact, for sure. Um, oftentimes with the session IPAs, um, breweries use them to highlight a particular hop, which is, um, since there's not a lot of malt to get in the way, you get a really strong hop profile if, if you want to do a, a varietal. Well, I'm happy sitting there drinking beer with you guys. We haven't done a live show in a while. Did a lot of, right? a lot of re, re, uh, reposts and stuff. And then, James, for you, like, you know, let's look back at what you know, pale ales are. You right. know, there's Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It's kind of the granddaddy for many of us. Now, how are... These new pale ales coming out, you can, and for all of you guys, this question, different from Sierra Nevada pale ale. Yeah, I mean, I think Tony really just kind of hit the nail on the head. And I, I think if you look at just the evolution of the style, you know, from where, where it came from, obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's UK in origins. Um, and so you did have a lot more balance. Um, and just the way that the beer was structured and created, uh, it, it really did kind of highlight the malts. Now, when the, the style was brought forth, you know, by Ken Grossman here in the United States, uh, he decided to just take a chance on this very barbaric hop known as Cascade, uh, something that brewers at the time really kind of found not really not uh not the greatest hop to be using in beer um he and he kind of just kind of made it his own which essentially became ours and so where we are today in in that lineage is that we we see all these really great and interesting hop varietals are coming forth obviously there's stuff that's coming out from you know just the the southern hemisphere um you know specifically you think about new zealand and australia and it's really um kind of showcasing different elements of of what hops can do i mean i i know you know you, you think about you know some of the tropical fruit flavors that that come from let's say a galaxy you know or maybe like some gooseberry from nelson sylvan and so i guess where brewers are these days is they really want to showcase and kind of um bring bring to light all these kind of different uh flavors that can come out in beer um and that's what we're seeing today yeah, it's interesting because, um, as you said, when Sierra Nevada Pale Ale began, it was it was quite revolutionary. Um, but uh, the um, as you just mentioned, you're being out in the Yakima Valley. I mean, these hop growers are just producing new hop varieties like crazy these days. Absolutely, and, and the brewers get to experiment with them. I understand it takes uh, they start off with a number and or with a you know, like mm-hmm. hundreds of varieties, and they narrow it down to maybe, you know, like five that will progress, and they give them a number, and it takes five years till they actually give, give a new hop a name. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So. And I, I had a chance to try a lot of varietals. I mean, there was one that, to me, it was just, it was nothing but cantaloupe and watermelon, and that was just a really interesting kind of flavor profile that I've never experienced before in a hop. Conversely, you know, there's some other ones that are interesting as well. I mean, I tasted burnt rubber um, from a particular hop varietal, too, um, which... I'm sure there's going to be some application to that, you know, somewhere down the line. Um, but Maybe yeah, it's just interesting. A Ralph beer? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> How go. are you tasting these, James? Do they brew, do they brew like a pilot batch, like 
Are you tasting some kind of extract or like what's the method for tasting? I'm, I'm actually hot varieties. Yeah, I'm actually not tasting them. I'm sorry if, if I um, uh, kind of gave off that impression. I'm actually just you know just experiencing oh, just like smell. to the nose. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know if that's a thing like hop teas or sure, no, no, like cupping with coffee or something. To, Absolutely, and you know, be able to taste these. So. Right, right, right. So. It's fun times. What was it like for you, Justin? I mean, I know last year you went to Idaho. Yeah, I went to uh, Anheuser-Busch has a big hop farm in Idaho. went out there for a harvest, and uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, they don't do a lot of the experimental uh, varieties. They actually probably do zero, <laughs> uh, but they grew a lot of different hops, I think about 50 different types, and yeah, we got to walk through and pick them and smell them, and it's, it's really it's a beautiful quite area. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. I was out there so a couple gorgeous. of years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, seven miles south of the Canadian border and just super, you know, beautiful and mountainous and it's gorgeous. Tony, what do you look for when, when you, I mean, you've been doing this for how many years now, Ale Street News? Uh, we're in a 25th year. 25 years. So Fantastic. what do you look for when you, when you go to a, a hot farm? Well, um, you know, you get to these, these guys, they, they pick the cones and then they start rubbing them and smelling them. It's like, um, you know, I can't even... Imagine a marijuana film form, but maybe it's similar. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's, it's the uh, the loopy the, loop, the, the loopy lens. You know, if it's a good crop, that um, this is really the stickiness of the hop is is is, is quite. The thing key. with weed, you can just smoke it right on site. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to wait for beer to be produced. But legal it's the, herb. It's the, they, you know they want to pick them at the right time when they're really full, and uh, and then basically um, they dry them and. Um, a lot of the hops these days. Some some people still use the uh, the the, um, the whole leaf hops, but um, for a lot of growers, the idea is to dry them and get them into pelletized form as quick as possible to right. preserve all the uh, aromas and, and goodness. And for James, what was it like up in Yakima? It was quite impressive. Um, I've I mean, full disclosure, I've never been out to Germany. I've never seen the Czech Republic, you know, in this particular vein. So this is probably like the the biggest yielding. Um, region that I've, I've ever been in, just to see the sheer number and the density of, of hop vines that were out there, and obviously, you know, just the, the, the processes that were involved in, in any, anywhere from, you know, picking to processing, you know, again, Tony was talking about pelletized form, um, and that, that was something like on that scale, um, which was, was quite, quite impressive. So I, I really enjoyed that. And just last week, our show, the, the On the Road um, with Beer Sessions Radio, up in the Albany County. At Indian Lata Farm said, who's a, a leader in New York State for growing hops, but even for them, it's it, it's small. It's maybe yeah. one or two acres of hops. Right. I think the largest one just in learning. New York State is eight eight acres, and Yakima. I mean, it's just hundreds of acres. Yeah. The, the farm I was at was seventeen hundred acres, so it, a single farm. So we were talking about you know session IPAs, but really I want to go beyond that to these new like I guess they're called extra IP extra pale ales. Yeah, I've seen them called a few different things. Some places just call them IPAs, and <laughs> you see an IPA that's four percent, and they don't bother putting the session on there. But so why did you bring you yeah. brought the against against the grain? Yeah, I just picked this up the other day, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and when you you know, told me that what we we're going to be talking about today. That was the first beer that came to my mind. So, we had we had the, one of the guys from that on the, the air via phone a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I've had a bunch of their beers at Jimmy's Number Forty Three. But have you actually met met those guys? Yeah, they're uh, they're characters to say the least. I mean, I think you can tell from their labels that they're uh, they like to have fun. Uh, they're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, and they have a barbecue restaurant and. Uh, they do some uh, contract brewing for other places like Stillwater and a few other 
twelve uh, percent uh, beer uh, breweries. Yeah, they have one one large format bottle with like uh, chicken chicken feathers. feathers yeah. yeah, stuff like that. Do you guys know them against the grain? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've come across them uh, before. They're definitely doing some interesting stuff. I mean, Extra Pale Ale has been around for a while. Um, Flying Fish Brewery in Jersey, that was one of their first beers that they made just because, I guess, just to differentiate a little bit, um, you know, instead of the IPAs. It's definitely, you know, has a maybe a higher attenuation where it's a drier finish um, than, you know, some of the, the IPAs. Um, I'm going to limb because I, I saw, like, this other session IPAs that I didn't like. But now I'm really liking the, the extra pale ales, the pale ales with a little more hops. So I think that's where we'll keep going with the show, right? Sure. I think yeah. so. I mean, I think for me particularly, I, I like a session IPA. I don't like IPAs. But um, it's, it's, I can't really drink them, you know, continuously. It's like my palate just, like, is looking for some more malt. Yeah, well, after one or two, you've got to do something. I don't know if I'm looking for more malt, but less sweetness. <laughs> Maybe with less, less malt than her. And dry, dry finish, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, we're off to a great start here. Um, it's our first fall session, Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. All right. And this one's called Greenwood Cemetery by Teeth People. We'll be right back. In 1996, El Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's our first show of September 2016. We're talking about Beyond Sessions, IPAs, and uh, Extra Pills. We've got Tony Forder, Illustrated News, James Ty at Beer Acolyte, and Justin Kennedy, everything. Castillo's <laughs> Beer, Beer Sessions Man of many hats. <laughs> and um, so, so, Tony, we, we, we're talking sessions and all this stuff. So you brought us an English, is it a pale ale? Yeah, it is a pale ale. It's from Sussex, England, where I'm actually originally from. Harvey's is the brewery of record in uh, Lewis, uh, England, Sussex, England. They make the really great uh, Christmas beer, right? They do, yeah, yeah which is exported beer. over here. Yeah. Um, they also make the Alecock uh, Devil Imperial Stout. But they make a lot of different things. They're a 200-year family brewery. And um, they work with a hop grower um, to develop um, a, a native hop from Sussex that grew wild in Sussex. And the hop grower um, actually... Um, um, you know who it is? Yes, uh, I'm just going to put my spectacles on so I can read the label. But um, Hode is his name. And... Um, 
So he developed it into commercial crop, this uh, native hop, and basically Harvey's cornered the crop, the crop, and they released it as uh, wild hop uh, ale last year. Um, and um, this year it's called Sussex Champion. It actually won a competition uh, which was run by uh, hop, uh, for hop growers, and it won first place. Um, Is that the so, hop variety, uh, Champion? Uh, no, no, it's not the. Th- okay. it's, uh, they oh, just it's call it because it won first place. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, they just call it um, the Sussex Hop. They don't really have a name for it other than that, and mm. it's proprietary to this A. H. Hoden son, um, who really brews exclusively for Harvey's now. Yes. So, it's it's quite it's got an interesting character. I mean, it's not probably quite as uh, alpha strong as a lot of American hops. Yeah, I mean, I find it to be. Pretty distinctly English, you know, in its in its origins. Oh yeah, you know. Um, and I guess Tony, the question to you is, you know, after getting back, you know, and seeing what's going on at the the British Beer Festival, um, what do you do? You see a, a trend in, in much in the same way that that's happening here in the United States, you know, with regards to the extra pale ales and and everything that we're seeing, you know, that's that's very hot forward, you know, in the offerings. Yeah, uh, that definitely has been a trend over the last ten years. The British brewers have really embraced uh, American hops. Um, more you know for for a while but i think uh, that trend has peaked a little bit the winner of the great british beer festival this year was a, a vanilla stout which is it's quite unusual for the judges to pick a you know a, a non-pale ale bitter sort of character uh, um, category there um, because uh the cask condition beer that you drink in england uh, on the hand pumps is, is called bitter a pint of bitter that's really the draft version of a pale ale is, is what it is so Nice. But it's got the caramelly taste, which is typically sort of in- English with the malt. And yeah. The, but, yeah. The, but the hop uh, does show through. I mean, well. there's so many. That's why I want to talk about, like, you know, pale ales today, because it's like summer's over. It's actually cool in New York, and um, I'm ready to drink real beer. You know, it's like yeah. we, it's been such a brutal summer for us. So this is a great, I think, kicking off fall with talking about pale ales is the way to go. I drink a lot of shandies this summer. <laughs> yeah, great. and stuff, <laughs> rattlers and things yeah. that don't really beer, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is this is cheers to real beer and to fall yes. and English styles. And we're talking about English styles of pale ales. What about um, like I know even like guys at Casco Brewing in New York and, and some guys in the Hudson Valley, they're saying, oh, we want to make a New England style pale ale. What is that? The New England style pale ale. Well, I know what a New England style IPA is, and that's typically something that's. About six to seven, maybe eight percent ABV. Um, pretty cloudy, super aromatic. Uh, very, very little bitterness. Maybe even zero IBUs, <laughs> um, and meant to be consumed within like two weeks. Like a heady topper from Alpha yeah, heady topper, or even uh, I think Treehouse is the brewery right now in Massachusetts that really epitomizes uh, that style, and they do it really well. It's just it, you know it's. They sell it directly from the brewery. They don't really distribute, and that's their model, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what they do. So. And then you have Lawson's uh, Sip of Sunshine. Of course, also. yeah. Um, but um, it seems like sooner or later, as a brewer was explaining to me, a, a cloudy beer is going to clear. So from my understanding, right. some of the brewers are using various tricks to keep they, it turbid. I've, uh, yeah, I've talked to brewers, and they freely admit that they use... Uh, like flour, flour and other right. things yes. to, uh-huh. to purposely uh, really? wow. cloud, cloud, cloud it up. They don't yeah. just shake it up. <laughs> no. hey, but you're right, Tony. I think everything settles after, you know, if you give it enough time. And mm-hmm. they're cranking these things out. And 
10 I mean, days? I, I don't know what the attraction weeks? is. It's, it's just because it's, it's got that fresh taste. That's mm-hmm. what people want. You know, so. It tastes like, uh, it almost tastes like orange juice or, you know, like a creamsicle. And the, and, the, yeah. the brewery in Philly hands. Tired hands, yeah. Tired hands. Yeah, they did the same thing. Too, yeah, yeah uh, I talked to Gene one time and uh, he was on the other podcast that I produce and he, he said on the show that they use um, that they use flour to make a lot of their beers hazy and he is not ashamed of it at all. So. Yeah. Is this yeah. like a, a hefty IPA? <laughs> uh, yeah, like a middle of the I would say middle of the road, like a double IPA, 8%, 7%, something like that. You cross yeah. between a Hefeweizen and... Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, they okay. use flour in Hefeweizen. No, <laughs> they don't need to. No, <laughs> right, right. Plenty of yeast. Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting, um, you know, you mentioned Treehouse where, you know, Suddenly, uh, a new brewery comes along and becomes a cult. Yeah, you know. Happens a lot. And James, what about you? So, jump in. Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm going to just. I was going to comment that I guess uh, again, along with you know just the lineage of what's happening. I think the idea with with these particular uh, with this particular substyle of beer is re- to really showcase the aromatics. I mean, because we all know that hops, you know, the what, what hops really contribute to beer is both the bitterness, you know, and like the, the, the aroma and flavor. And the bitterness is pretty much stripped away. And we're talking about like in all of these aromatics um, that obviously come, they transcend, you know, and just come through with the flavor. Um, and I guess the the intent with this is that, you know, the, it's those, these volatiles, they, they just they blow off really easily. So these beers are meant to be consumed almost immediately. Um, and I mean, to, to Justin's point there, I guess the idea is to make it look like something that's completely different, something that you've never seen before, you know, in terms of beer. <laughs> yeah, so. the, I think everyone's always searching for new and it's, you know, the IPA is not necessarily a new style by any means, but this way of making that IPA is very much of the moment right now, I think, and the very local part of, uh, I think some people in uh, Scandinavia and the UK are making these styles too, but it's mostly in the northeast uh, US right now. No, I still, I, I like I like seeing the experiments, like like I have un, undrafted Jimmy's number 43 right now, it's, it's Threes, made at Threes Brewery in Brooklyn with Interborough, which is a new brewery collaboration. Right. Yep. It's called Not Bad Beer. Yep. And the same kind of thing, it's cloudy, it's like an extra pale ale. But it's not too hoppy, but it's got that right. I feel like that's the flavor of the day. It's like cloudy, extra pale. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be. And a lot of these um, beers, they're really for tasting room beers. They don't often leave the brewery unless they go to Jimmy's number 43, perhaps. But, um, you know, people come to the tasting room and they, they, they don't have to travel far. Um, you know, some of them are canned, I guess. The 16-ounce mm-hmm. cans is kind of the way to go with yep. those, I guess. But, um, and that's a, it's a short list of bars that actually are really lining up for the, like, you know, getting industrial arts in. With Jeff O'Neill, or the, or the latest threes, or the latest Interborough, you know, and, and just waiting for, you know, um, Dan up in Hudson Valley, Suarez Family Brewery. Yeah, he's yeah. only distributing to Queens and Brooklyn right now. So, the, you know, we're, we're waiting for those kind of. Oh, he's not beers. in Manhattan right now. He's not in Manhattan yet. Oh, okay. But I'm saying, so, you know, we're, we're the kind of bars that are like lining up for, for this special stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think the customers want it too. But it's also at some point. How far ahead of your customers? Changing subjects like you know new breweries. We should talk about that next. How far ahead do you get of your customers? Because there's so many new breweries coming on now, and I'm so excited about industrial arts and threes, and, and Suarez Family Brewery and Interboro. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that they're like a whole other quality level. I don't know how you guys think about that. What's going to happen to the other other breweries that have been around for a while? I had a lot of uh, Dan Suarez's beers this summer, and he's doing. I thought he was going to do all those, you know, the the hazy IPA thing, but. Most of the beers that he was making were uh, pilsners and lagers and, like, you know, hoppy, definitely yeah, hoppy, very hecto hoppy. Hecto-pils was really great this Yeah, summer. and uh, a little cloudy. He uses some oats and other things that make the beer, you know, naturally hazy, but um, super 
crushable, you know, four, five percent beers that are just delicious and, uh, you know, aren't traveling far. But that's another trend, too. So it's not traveling far, super fresh, but also working with like oats and other grains. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bought a sample here from my local brewery in Hackensack, New Jersey, Elementary, and they've been open less than a year. But they, too, are, are, are doing some really interesting lagers. They just released a Dortmunder um, hmm. that they aged for two uh, months in the tank. Cool. I actually got the name it when I went on tap, knocking on heaven's Dortmunder. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's not the one I bought. I bought a, a, a pale ale from them that we'll probably try later. Knocking on heaven Dortmunder or Dortmunder? Dort, yeah. Get yes. the T in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring your flute today. I did. You did. All right. <laughs> we'll get that ready because when we close out this segment, we, you know, we play it. Let's taste it. Let's taste the. Uh, so it's elementary. And elementary. 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 And where are they in New Jersey? They're in, they're in Hackensack, and the partners have, both have scientific backgrounds, and they really seem to be trying to make very true to style beers, um, which is a bit of a kind of a throwback to. Um, with. You know, I was, I was lucky this summer, talking about New Jersey beers, um, at WNYC, we did a little a live series, and Michael from New Jersey Craft Beer recommended a, a few of the new breweries. So we tried uh, the Flounder Brewery. Oh, yeah, Flounder is great. Uh, and Angry Eric, and um, also Departed Souls. Departed Souls, yeah, in Jersey City. But he, he mentioned Elementary. This is the first time I'm trying it. So, so what is this style? Uh, so this is their uh, pale ale. They have a kind of a one-off series called Sketchbook, and this is called Sketchbook 95. It's American pale ale. Um, it's hopped with Chinook and uh, Simcoe. It's 5.5%. It's got a lot of, like, pine pine flavors. Quite a lot of pine, piney yeah. notes from the, from the Chinook and from the mm-hmm. Simcoe. I guess. What I meant to say is, I know you, you do your show sometimes, Steal This Beer in, in Jersey City. Yep. John Hall's from New Jersey, and Augie Carton's there. They're both, yeah. And then I know that you live in, Tony, you live in Jersey. Yeah. But we don't get to see that many Jersey beers. Yeah, they don't come over to the city for some reason. I don't know why. Tony, why don't they come to? Why don't they come to us? We send well, um, beer to you guys. A lot of these guys, they're you know they're small and they're still you know a lot of them are self distributed. So. Um, but they can't self-distribute to New York, I bet. I think that's part of the problem, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, they have to sign it with the, with the distributor. And um, the franchise law in New Jersey is a little scarier than um, the one in New York. I know of a brewer right now who's trying to switch distributors, and it's uh, either pay an exorbitant amount of money or be out of the, be out of the market in the area for a year. And, um, oh, wow. Whereas um, I think New York is a little easier for a small brewer to... Um, you know, change distributors. So what I'm hearing, it's on us as New Yorkers to kind of jump across the river and start visiting these fantastic breweries. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. or go to Barcade in Jersey City where we record the other beer. <laughs> oh, and you'll see a yeah. tap list that you do not recognize in New York City. Jersey, even though you're one, Jersey City. Um, one stop away. It's definitely uh, a, a great place to. You could, you could have like a Barcade at a good beer bar in New Jersey. You could have an all Jersey beer list. There's, uh, I, might sure, as well, yeah. I might as well plug a new bar that's opening uh, this week in Hoboken, the Shepherd and the Knucklehead. They have a, <laughs> a place. Uh, they have another place that's been open 15 years, but they're opening a new uh, 90, uh, wait a minute, 60 tap uh, uh, bar in Hoboken. Wow. So wow. Okay. that will be an easy place to go find some New Jersey beers. But not only Jersey beers, but also stuff like Great Lakes Brewing from Cleveland, Ohio. Right. The, we don't get in the city in the, I think, Lost Abbey. Lost Abbey, for yeah. example, yes. Yeah, all that stuff comes to Jersey, but not New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is, I know Illustrated News does have a New Jersey column, so that's I try to read that sometimes. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other yeah. breweries that that you guys are liking a lot in Jersey right now? 
Uh, I was just at um, yesterday since um, the hurricane didn't show up, I decided to go take a look at the ocean. <laughs> kind so of screwed up your weekend plans, at, didn't it? Asbury Park. Well, it was great. There was nobody down the shore, so uh, down at Asbury Park, there's a uh, it's called Dark City Brewery. There, it's a small brewery that opened recently. That was fairly um, impressed with. Um, I think you mentioned uh, Angry Eric before. Um, I read about a place called Magnify Brewing, which is Magnify is um, actually it's out by uh, Cricket Hill in uh, State County. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard some pretty good things about them and um, doing some you know quite adventurous beers. Yeah, um, but there's over 50 breweries now in in New Jersey, so just like everywhere else, it's you know they're really popping up. Great. So Tony, tell us one more time the beer that we're drinking. This is uh, it's called uh, Sketchbook. 95. It's an American Pale Ale from Elementary Brewery in Hackensack, New Jersey. Um, you know, as many tasting rooms are, they're open Thursday through Sunday. Um, like I said, they just uh, released a Dortmund Ale Lager. Um, they do. They are going to host an Oktoberfest, I think, on October 1st and 2nd weekend, and they're holding back um, at least three lagers to be able to be great, man. Tony, you got your flute with you? I do. Let's get it out. I'll just read something that Justin wrote. Justin made some great notes today, but um, we were talking about the session IPA category is often contentious. Some have argued that many session IPAs are simply American Pale Ales with IPA slapped on for marketing purposes but a definition has slowly emerged that at least codifies somewhat how they're meant to differ. So we'll keep talking about that because for me it's like, you know, Pale Ale, Session IPA. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And Tony, ready with a flute? This is our favorite flute player from uh, Ale Street News. That's his job. All right. Flute player for Ale Street News. All right, so we're back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, hey, summer's over, guys. All right. This one's called Young Blood by the Hollows. We'll be right back. Hey, let's come back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. It's another fall season. It's like probably like the seventh season, Heritage Radio Network. We've been on the air here six and a half years, and uh, there's a fundraiser coming up and a lot of cool things. So check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. Always a good time to become a member. So we got uh, James Ty here uh, with the other crew, Tony Ford or Justin Kennedy. So James, we're talking about pale ales, session IPAs, right. hops. Hops. What, what, what do you want to tell us something? Uh, uh, it's just. What do you want to tell us, something, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, we started the show originally. The show was like, oh, we're talking about hops, and then I booked James, and then we <laughs> okay. kept, kept coming around. But nice. No, I, I mean, I, I think just part of it, and Jimmy, we've talked about it before, but just the idea of just, I mean, what what I just did, you know, go and visit Yakima. Um, I think that's kind of like the exciting piece right now that that I want to see more of. You know, is just the, the just the, the beer tourism aspect, about getting out there. You know, just kind of learning the raw materials, seeing where your beer is coming from. And I do definitely see that as kind of like coming around the corner. Um, and I'm really excited. You know, when when you know these kind of like you know hop based events come about because that's something that I really want to get there and really understand. You know how how these like 
precious, you know, like commodities are are being uh, cultivated and taken care of, and, and everything that's, that's um, I guess, surrounding that. So, James, can casual uh, travelers visit the hop farms, or how restrictive are they with uh, uh, letting visitors into? see what they're doing yeah it's always good to know somebody yeah you know um <laughs> and, and so that's that's something that that would definitely go a long way um but at the same time you know if you reach out to to many of them you know when the timing is right i wouldn't necessarily say now is always the best time given that they're probably really in the in the thick of things harvest is not a good time to visit no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 or to no. ask to visit right right and, and so some of the uh, the hop growers understand um you know they'll uh, you'll have to buy a, or contract for a minimum uh, amount of a certain type of hop if if you want it, but there are other growers that uh, really do cater to to the smaller brewers. Smaller, yeah, sure. mm-hmm. yeah, and absolutely. they might be more willing to allow visitors. Uh, yeah, these guys from Elementary were just out there as well, along with uh, Brick City, which is also near uh, in, in Bergen County. That's what's fun with a lot of the new New York State, and it seems like many states, North Carolina, mm-hmm. a lot of states that have a good beer scene also have farmers growing hops. Is yeah, that happening in North Carolina? A little bit. I think it's a little too warm down there to grow many uh, good varieties. But, yeah, certainly in – I think New York State's coming up. Uh, Michigan is a huge hop-growing facility uh, – or hop-growing state. Our friend Travis from Folksbeer has a little hop farm out there at his parents' place, which I've been meaning to get to the last few years, but nice. haven't been able to go. Uh, and But, yeah, mostly I think Pacific Northwest is by far – the largest uh, region. Yeah. If you actually draw that band across the world, you know, in terms of latitude, you look at Washington State, you look at Michigan, you look at Kent, you know, you look at, you know, just the hop growing regions like in Hallertau, Germany, yeah. Yeah. they're all right in that same yeah. band. So 48th parallel? 48th parallel, is it? Yeah, exactly. something like that. It's mm-hmm. kind of just above the great wine growing regions, too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Well, let's, let's talk about beer. So, because sometimes the biggest thing for me is by having a beer bar in New York City, I get to try all the new beers, and I'm pretty confident I know the brewers. I know maybe the styles are different. But when I go on vacation and I have to go to, like, a, a bottle shop or a liquor store, I, I always take a risk. And I was just in Cape May, New Jersey, and I was trying some of the Cape May, Cape May Brewing beers that I liked, their IPA. and um, But I ended up going back to, like, a standby Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA buying in cans. When, when, when I'm on vacation because I don't want to be disappointed. So I, I understand what it's like being you know, a working person and, and having to actually buy your beer, not get it for free. Um, so this is the let's talk about this one. So it's Trogues. This is the Hop Knife. True. This is a funny style. It's like 6.2% high IBU, but it's not an IPA. They call it a pale ale. They call yeah. it a pale ale, even though it's 87 IBU. So, you know. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> what's the, what is the reason and thinking behind that, Trogues? <laughs> yeah, like, so what I, I'm wondering is I like this beer, but I'm wondering... You know, are we fooling ourselves? Like, why aren't we just making more good IPAs? Like, I like the Trogues Perpetual IPA a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. a good salt. Again, if I was in a package store and I thought it was fresh, I, I would buy it. Um, why would I, as a consumer, want to buy a Session IPA instead of just, like, a Pills or something else? Does everybody answer that question? Well, I, that's the big I, question. I mean... And why is the market... Why you are like, people uh, buying them? You, you, you like hops and... Um, you know, like Founders came out with all-day IPA. So the idea is, yeah, you can start drinking earlier. One of the ideas. But, uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it also kind of signals that you can drink a lot of it throughout the day. You know, we, we've all had the the days where you start drinking maybe around 11 o'clock, and you don't stop until after midnight. And Plus, you know, they, they sell on a 30-pack, don't they? Or it is a 15-pack. 15-pack, not a 30-pack. There might be a 30-pack. I don't know. Um, 
But we yeah, got to get mean, Josh Bernstein on because Josh, too, you know, like, like I said, he's going to be on in two weeks. I'm not, so. I am a little spoiled. When you, you own a beer bar, you're a beer buyer. You know, you really do get your beer, whether the place you're working at. Right. I don't usually go out and buy beer. But when I go and buy beer, I'm always like, it's always eye opening. I'm like, wow, what are my choices? What am I spending my money on? I'm, I'm much pickier buying beer in a bottle shop than I am when I'm at a bar. So. Yeah, it's, um, I was just at a, um, a, um, a store in Jersey, um, take some pictures. We're going to redo their ad the paper. And it was just before the Labor Day weekend, and they had Florida space, fridges. I mean, the choice was just so overwhelming that I just wonder, you know, somebody getting into the craft beer right now, like, where do you start? How do you, you know? It's almost overwhelming. Yeah, that's a question I get from a lot of friends who are just casually into beer. Not even into beer, but trying to get into it. And I don't know. Like, a lot of times, I don't even know where to start when I go into a store. And I, yeah. I shop for beer fairly often. You know, I get a lot of free samples being a writer, but I definitely shop one, at least hard. once or twice I mean, a week. And a good beer bar with a, a nice curated list, you can, you're willing to try things and let you taste it. But if you're going and even buying a 12-pack or something, you feel like you're committed. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. You know, you're committing yourself to, to that purchase. Whereas, you know, if you go to a bar... You know, it's it's one round. I'm with a friend. Um, you know, we can just you know wild the wildest pint away. You know, and I I can reset and you know go with another one. Whereas the store does get a little bit paralyzing. Yeah. You know, one of the better things in New York anyway is the bodegas will even do single beers, so you can pick. You know, you can do a mixed six pack at my local sure. bodega of like some really good stuff, and that's what I do a lot of the times. So I'll pick like the, when I bought this beer originally, the against the grain. I bought one can, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna buy four of those so I don't even know if I'm going to like it but right. yeah I mean that's the great thing about tasting rooms too and also you can do that on vacations go check out the local brewery right and then you can you know get your samplers try them and then uh, get another growler <laughs> if you don't have enough <laughs> whatever growlers. you like the best you can yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. go to the source yeah and the other thing I mean, since we're talking about end is you know you go to a, a liquor or a package store the first thing I ask I ask, ask what's moving too because you just don't know from store to store region to region you know what is moving and those, yeah, those if something's been sitting there for three months, you're not going to want to drink it. I mean, that, that yeah. could be the problem. That could be the reason it's not moving. That's kind of an existential thing. But, yeah, but that's, that's, you know, that's another thing to consider as people are talking about their growth. Sure, yeah. beer and, but for you, James, as, you know, beer educated and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you have to deal with that stuff? I mean, you never have to go into a package store and give a training or... Oh. Talk to a liquor store owners. Yeah, yeah, or? absolutely. I mean, that happens, you know, very often. Um, but I, I'll say, like, from my perspective, I'll even say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be humble enough to say that I, I cannot keep up with just the – I don't think – I don't know if there's anybody that can keep up with, you know, just the exponential rate of breweries that are coming up. So uh, and I, what is it now? Like, you know, on average about two a day that are opening? There's like 4,600 now. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know what the rate it's is. Just, yeah, uh, I think it's two a day. So 4,700. It will be 5,000 yeah. sometime forty six last next one, year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, so it's mind-boggling. Some yeah. people predict, uh, I think Jim Cook, I heard him say 10,000 breweries, you know, will be possible. In like two years or something? Mm-hmm. In two yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But a lot of those breweries, as we mentioned, they're not in the retail chains. You know, they just do a lot of, well, on draft they they may be. But um, well, it's, it's nice going to a small brewery like like Strong Rope in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's pretty much an on-premise. Brewery. You go there and you can buy. Yeah, pints. they don't really sell anywhere else. They just yeah, sell there's a their, few, all their beer right there. Few bars and yep. that's it. You know. Yeah. Let's do, let's do some fun. This is fun. This is our first live show in a while. Getting our chops back. Last year, some goofy questions. So so Tony, you know, when you're playing flute. On the air on Beer Sessions Radio, <laughs> what beer would you most like to drink 
while you're playing flute? Or can you drink and play flute I, at the same you, time? I have not actually attempted that. Maybe you could funnel some beer in down through the flute. I don't know, but I think it would be... Like there's a scene from an little, 80s movie where they drink through a flute. <laughs> a little bit tricky. But, um, you know, again, it depends on what I'm playing, time of day. Something lively um, would be, you know, like pale ale along the lines we're doing now, a, um, you know, an IPA or, um, you know, and then going to the darker styles like an Imperial Stout would be a little bit more somber. I do these um, talks sometimes, like at the Mondial for Beer, where I interpret a uh, beer with some poetry and, and, some, and some flute. So it does, it does sort of vary on, on the inspiration. Cool, man. All right. Mm-hmm. Justin, so in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go up to uh, Boston for the, which is funny, Copenhagen Beer <laughs> Conference in Boston. Copenhagen Beer Celebration so, in Boston. Oh, that's a celebration. <laughs> that's why I couldn't find it on Google. Come how's on. Your, how's your Danish? Terrible. <laughs> I don't mean so, the pastry. <laughs> but what are some of the, the brewers that, that you're looking forward to meeting and tasting? Uh, 18th Street from right outside of Chicago in Indiana. They're going to be there. Um, Fanta Flora from North Carolina will be there. Who else? Uh, Hill Farmstead, of course. We get a lot of their stuff here now, but I'm sure they'll have some special stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of really, really great breweries. Those are three that I would be super interested in. You know, uh, one thing I want to give a shout-out. You said Hill Farmstead. There's a great listener. Um, his name's Tim Sansone. He, he just sold his bar up by Binghamton. And uh, two weeks ago, he was in New York for, like, the Beer Sessions radio tour. He said he came to Roberta's. He had Hill Farmstead. He came to Jimmy Summer 43. He went to Blind Tiger. And just we're talking about beer bar pioneers. Big shout-out to uh, Tim Sansone. Uh, great beer. Right. Yeah, the, the beer bar up in uh, Binghamton, New York. But there's a lot of great guys out there, Piners. And James Ty, so for you. Yes. You know, you're, um, you went to Yakima. This was supposed to be the hop show. Right. What would be a, a couple new hops that you'd like to see in more beers? Gosh, that's I, – I would love to see the hops that I've yet to experience. You know, the ones that are in the pipeline, the ones that are being bred as we speak. You know, that's, that's what I'm most interested in seeing. Um, because if if uh, what's happened thus far is any indication, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more great beers to become down down the pipeline. And is is there a new beer that you've had recently that is made with a new hop or, or new hops that are out there that you like a lot? Uh, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no. I love the uh, New Zealand hops, the Motueka and uh, Nelson Sullivan, and all the other 14 varieties that they grow. It's only yeah. from Ailsford News. Yeah, we, I actually did um, get some uh, insights into some of the new uh, hop varieties uh, talking to, in the last issue, I did talking to uh, one of the guys from uh, Hopsteiner, and uh, he just described um, a couple of three new hops. They have numbers, and uh, one he described as uh, creamsicle, orange and vanilla, another one, berries, strawberries, raspberries, and then... Another one, he said, the craziest hop I've ever seen, orange, chocolate, and coconut. We wow. think it'll be great for porters and stouts. That's great, man. I would agree. And some shout-outs as we wrap up. Uh, events coming up. It's fall Pig Island. 7th Annual Pig Island is this Saturday, September 10th, pigisland.com. It's our special event supporting New York State Farmers, Taste New York, and Six Point Beer. Also, uh, Justin and I will be at the Copenhagen Beer Celebration. Yes, sir. Boston. 
Massachusetts. Uh, September 23rd and 24th. Check that out. And uh, of note, Heritage Radio Network listeners and fans, uh, you can join us on Sunday, September 25th at 4 p.m., the fall 2016 season launch party. Most of the Heritage Radio Network hosts will be there. It'll be at La Piccio Great Restaurant in the East Village. So check it out on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So thanks for joining us. Producer Justin Kennedy, Maggie on Twitter, uh, David Tatashore, an, an engineer. And uh, we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. All right. Woo. All right. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.